everyone, and welcome back to the Time Shifters podcast. This is Christopher. I'm here with Matt. Hey. Uh, yeah, good. Uh, this should be a good week. I'm, I'm looking forward to this discussion. Okay. I am. Um, I'm really, okay. Uh, <laughs> but anyway. You're geeked out. <laughs> I'm a little geeked out, a little bit. Uh, before we do that, though, I just want to thank everyone for tuning in, of course, and just remind everybody, if they haven't already, they can subscribe to the podcast on Apple uh, Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, or whatever podcatcher you use. I'm sure you'll be able to track us down. You can join our Facebook group. Just go to Facebook.com, search for the Time Shifters group. And I did start a Time Shifters podcast page, only so so I can sort of link uh, episodes right from the WordPress, from our website, right to Facebook just one more place to have a, a, a link of the show. I don't know if I'll be doing anything other than that, except maybe just a, it's a landing pad for, uh, for sharing the post. So I think, I think they'll automatically show up there and then I can probably just share them right from there wherever I want. Oh, speaking of time shifters on Facebook, the time shifters band from Prague, the punk rock band, their new album did drop last month, late yep. last month. So I went ahead and I grabbed the album. I bought like a, a digital copy off off of them so very cool congratulations to them if they happen to listen uh, that's awesome let's see what else uh twitter you can follow us on twitter go to time shifter at time shifters pod and at movies at the mat and um t public of course if you feel like buying a t-shirt or a, yeah like the t-shirt matt's wearing there or a uh a new sticker or something for the car or whatever a duffel bag you can get all kinds of stuff there go ahead and uh purchase that and then of course a uh, couple bucks usually comes our way to help uh, support the show and you know get on the mailing list or something because they always they're constantly having like 30 percent off sale that's the way to go even i've waited to the 30 percent off sales to buy the stuff <laughs> your own shirt <laughs> my own shirt <laughs> uh yeah i think that's uh, that's all the uh, important bits there so i guess uh, we'll go on to the see what the news desk has to offer Right off the top of the bat, at the time of the recording, just a couple days before we recorded this, it'll be a little old by the time you guys hear it, but um, Scott Wilson uh, passed away. Now, he's a man, he's a character actor. He's had, I think, been acting since, I think it said 1967, when he appeared in In the Heat of the Night was the film, was his, like, first role or breakout role, and then he was just a character actor for decades, but is a... Probably best well known for a lot of people is Herschel from a couple seasons of The Walking Dead, and arguably maybe the best part of those seasons of The Walking Dead for some people. Yeah, um, it was for me. I felt like he kind of went through what I went through of that, like you know, can there be a better world? Can we do this the right way? Can we can we save these people? And then he's kind of forced to acknowledge that no, you can't. And there's a certain way you kind of have to go about things. But he still held on to that idea of hope mm -hmm. of being a better person. Yeah, he was definitely the the conscience. You're right of the group. Yeah, and when his character died. They have yet to get hope back. No, yeah, he was like almost a moral compass for the group. And yeah, once he was killed in a rather spectacular way, mm -hmm. um, yeah, they've never been able to re regain that. Right. Um, it, it, they've been a little bit, it's been almost anarchy since. Yeah. <laughs> it's been the rictatorship, as it's been called. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, fantastic actor. I mean, he's one of these people, I you were going through his filmography and like you, you know, you see a lot, you recognize these films. You're like, okay, I've seen that, but I don't necessarily remember him in that. It's actually going to be kind of fun. I know him best now from the walking dead, but it's actually going to be fun. I'll be watching some older films now. And I think I'll go, Oh, wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> I know that guy, <laughs> which means he, he did his job of, you know, being a character and, and, you know, blending in with the movie and, you know, not trying to take it over and just, being a professional, yeah, but he was uh, he was brilliant in The Walking Dead. So I mean, I I do think he he really showed some talent in that those what two seasons? I think it was just two seasons, one, two or three. Uh, yeah, it was definitely two, two, maybe two and a half. Maybe he showed up in season two, and I think he died in season you know halfway through season four. I think it that was. sounds about right. Yeah. yeah, but he was he was definitely a highlight, and yeah, I may actually make a point of going and finding some of his film work. You know, see if I can find stuff that actually had a decent amount of role. You know, not just here's your coffee yeah. <laughs> or something, um, but and, and just to, just to see what else he's done. So that's all I had. 
So for me, this is a kind of interesting. It's not really news, but it's it's film worthy. Um, I was on the set of a commercial filming no last week. No kidding. Um, through through my job, I've been helping this other uh, company kind of like beta test one of their products, and then they wanted to film it being used. Uh, I'm not going to go into the details of what it was or where I work. All right, but. Uh, you know, because my when they told me that this was the idea of like f- uh, film their product being used, I didn't have a full vision of what they were getting at. I thought it was just come in, film a couple of quick things, and go. No, it was five hours of them building up a, a, a film location in one of our our work areas. And yeah, you know, take one, take two, get the lighting right, get the you know, raise the curtain, lower the curtain, get the screen up, try this, try that. How's the sound? It wow. was really interesting to see. And their cameras were real, really nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, they set up like their own dolly and everything. It, it was really something to see. Yeah, that's very cool. And just for a commercial. So yeah. You can just imagine that times a thousand. Right. You're going to like doing to a film or something. Yeah. So it was just kind of seeing just all the details of like with every take, how somebody's standing there and they're marking down all the times that are going by on the camera mm-hmm. and they're saying, you know, they're writing down the notes. All right, this one was the one we said was good. Oh, this is the one we said was great. This is the one that we said maybe not. Just seeing all of that happen and just how everything, okay, reset everybody back to one and things like that. And, you know, doing five, six, seven takes for, you know, eight seconds of shot. Right. Yeah, that's pretty impressive. It's kind of neat seeing, uh, kind of going behind the scenes and seeing, you know, behind the curtain. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've been on a couple uh, indie film sets, which is maybe not to that level of, you know, technique or anything, but it is interesting how you see everything gets set up and how much time it takes. Okay, we're going to set, it takes like an hour and the scene is three minutes long. Yeah. yeah okay, okay, Move. let's move over here and we're going to do this and it's, it's a whole lot of moving and just setting things up and getting it right for maybe just a few seconds of of, of film when it's all said and done. Yeah. But, and I think this, this commercial is going to be like 60 to 90 seconds. And right. just see how five hours five goes hours in for 90 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it was really cool. They were very professional. I think it was a crew of like six people. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it was a fun day. Yeah. Exhausting by the end of it, but fun I day. Bet. I bet. All right, but that's very cool. Another bit of news that... Uh, I saw pop up was I'm not sure if you heard about this, but um, Morton Bay came out with um, an, um, a study. It was called uh, "Weaponizing Haters: The Last Jedi and the Strategic Politicalization of Pop Culture Through Social Media Manipulation." Found that at least 50% of the hate geared towards Ryan Johnson and the Last Jedi were either Russian trolls or bots. <laughs> Sure, why not? I just think that's really interesting that mm-hmm. that movie came under so much fire, and it turns out half of it was just total BS. Right. Yeah, well, and that is, I mean, it is something we've seen that where social media is can be used to manipulate people's opinions. Right. And to be used as a tool to, for better or worse, you know, whether it's political or entertainment, you know, film or whatever. And it's, obviously, and it's only going to be, I think it's only going to get worse. Yeah, you go. To, people go to the social media for the opinions of other people mm-hmm. uh, on on whatever film it is or something. And now uh, you can't trust that, right? You, oh, I my what? Do, what did my friend think? Well, I didn't see it, but I read this article, and he shares this article. Who knows where that article came from now? Right. That's it's shocking. Yeah, it's and disappointing. It's and, very disappointing. I've been getting a little bit better at be- being able to figure out like who the bots are because like there's there's certain tells like either it's in their profile or in their username. Like if it's a name followed by like a digits? bunch of yeah, yeah a bunch of numbers, bot block report whatever, get rid of it. Mm-hmm. But also like don't jump on a bandwagon. Like if somebody's out there saying something, hating on something, was that your opinion or are they? forcing their opinion on you and you're thinking like maybe i do feel that way like right. stop think where's it coming from don't give in to that formulate your own opinion then go see what's out there yeah absolutely and i've i've learned that just because i've i think i've ruined some films for myself by reading a little too much into the the criticisms and then you go to see the film and it's that's all you can see yeah oh yeah i see what they're talking about oh yeah and had I not, I think I would sit there and go, oh, that was great. That was a good film. I enjoyed that. Sure. You know, or, oh, it wasn't very good, but I had a great time. You know, uh, so I try really hard to, 
I try really hard to keep away from the criticisms before I actually see a film or a television show. Maybe I'll read a review if it's just like a fair review and not a critique review. Right. If, I, th- I think there's a difference. Yeah. Um, so I'll, I'll try to avoid the real critique ones. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I try to actually see it myself. And then sometimes I'll go back and read other people's reviews and those are, then after I've seen it, I've kind of formulated my own opinion. Then I was like, well, I don't really agree with that. Or eh, I can see where they're coming from, but I think they're reading too much into it, you know. But that's where the conversations can begin. Yeah. Not, that's what I prefer to do. Mm-hmm. Of Yeah. Read something after. And then because sometimes it's like, oh, I didn't think of it that way or I didn't even notice that part. That was interesting. Well, and that's happened with just with us sitting here. Mm-hmm. Where you, you've, you've found things in films where it's like, oof, I, I didn't see that. That's, that's <laughs> rather dark. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, absolutely. But then going on that, and I think this is hilarious, because that study comes out, and then right after, Lucasfilms announce, and announces that Kathleen Kennedy is signed through 2021. <laughs> they re-upped her contract for another three years, which I think is great, because mm-hmm. so many people were calling for her to be fired, and now you're wondering how many of those people were actually people. Right. And, yeah, they saw they saw through that, that junk, and they just... No, she's back for another three years, and I'm glad because I like the movies that have come out so far. I really thought The Last Jedi was excellent. I thought Solo was a really fun movie. I think Rogue One was quite good. The The Force Awakens, you know, okay, fine. That was how they kind of kick-started things. It, you know, it was a popcorn movie. Yeah. It wasn't anything to write home about, but it wasn't a bad movie by any stretch of the imagination. And I have to admit, I don't really look for anything more from a Star Wars film right. than just being entertained. Sort of entertaining, yeah. Give me the the bowl of popcorn and just you know, I'm not I'm not looking at it for social commentary or right. anything. It's not what I want in my Star Wars anyway. And it made almost two billion movies. She's going to get fired now. <laughs> it's ridiculous. <laughs> so yes, good for her. Good for yeah, Lucasfilm. Good for Disney for seeing through all that. Mm-hmm. Other thing, and I've talked about this on Twitter a lot. The problems with Movie Pass. Is it still around? It's still around, and if you were signed up for Movie Pass, I technically still am. It runs out in the middle of December. Or does it? Or does it? <laughs> because they are sending emails out to people and kind of hiding in like the way they're wording it. But basically, if you don't choose to opt out, they'll sign you back up. Wow. Yeah. So read the fine print, folks. Yes. You have to go into this email. You have to say, no, don't sign me back up. Otherwise, they sign you back up. And it's ridiculous. That is, it is. That's slimy. It is slimy. It is a desperate act from just poor businessmen. Mm Mm-hmm. I I don't like this company anymore. I don't like that. I haven't used it in a few months because I can't. Because (laughs) every time I try to go see something, can't see it. So... Yeah, but just I keep checking my email, making sure I didn't get one, but I think I didn't get one because I'm still signed up. Right. I'm making sure my wife is checking because she was signed up. You know, they're not sending it to everybody at the exact same time. They're they're quote unquote trialing it. Mm-hmm. It just means it hasn't gotten to you yet. Right. So check your email. Be aware. Don't let them take your money. <laughs> that is crooked beyond crooked. Unbelievable. It didn't work, folks. Just, yeah. just let it <laughs> let die. It just, Try something else. Let it die. Take it out back and shoot it in the head. It's yeah. done. <laughs> yeah. Old Yeller was a good dog. Time to put him down. You, you want to try something? You want to try it again? Get a new name. Try right. it again. Come out exactly with exactly what you want to do with it. Don't try to fool people into, oh, it's always going to be this and not. Yeah. <laughs> I'm looking at the uh, the AMC one, which is like three movies gonna, a week. I was going to ask you if that was something you'd be looking into once the Movie Pass thing is. Yeah, I'm looking. Yeah, I'm looking at it. Um, I keep because I don't like. I can't figure out if there's a separate app or if it's their other app, and you sign in through it. But I'm not worrying about it right now. But yeah. It's, you know, three movies a week? Yeah, I, I don't do that, so no, that's not exactly. a problem. As you long as I go... You need one if, right. at, at best, yeah. Right, one, two movies a month is fine mm-hmm. for me, and you get your money back real quick. Right. Yeah, What? how much are they charging? <laughs> it's like nine, ten bucks? Oh, yeah. Bu- so Twelve bucks, something like that? For a month? Yeah. yeah. Considering ticket prices are 15 to 20. Right. Exactly. Mean, yeah. If you're going at prime time, and they're not going to, like, restrict you and say, like, yeah, if you they're going to let you in on the 3Ds and the IMAXs and everything, too. I don't know if they're doing that, but no? I do know okay. it's like, you know, oh, at 7 o'clock, it's this much. Like, no, you still get in, and it's mm-hmm. fine, and none of the restrictions that MoviePass have put on. Gotcha. I understand. 
So this this will be a, might be a little bit dated. I just thought it was so funny. Uh, we both saw the trailer for Dark Phoenix. Yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. I didn't really care for it. I don't. You didn't. Did you care for it? I was amazed how very little Jean Grey is in a trailer for a movie about Jean Grey. Yes. <laughs> it, it, it looked a whole lot like a movie for Mystique and Jennifer Lawrence. Yes. <laughs> but I thought it was interesting. So that trailer drops, gives the date of when the movie's coming out, and the very next day they push it back like four or five months. <laughs> Probably because it's just not even close to finish yet. Uh-huh. You don't push a movie back that far. No, no, exactly. For marketing reasons. Maybe, that, maybe that's why there wasn't much uh, Jean Grey and Dark Phoenix right. footage because they still, don't have any. <laughs> she's still walking through green screens right uh-huh. now. And because I heard something like the movie took like twenty some odd weeks or thirty some odd weeks to film, and then they did reshoots for like that exact same amount of time. It's like you shot two movies because it's that bad because Mm -hmm. this is really getting just patchworked. It's really disappointing, too, because I've enjoyed the last uh, few X-Men or, well, two. I guess there's been two X-Men films, right? X-Men First Class and then um, whatever the other one was. Uh, Yeah. um, Apocalypse. Apocalypse. But then there was even the... um, uh, the one where like Wolverine travels to the past, so that was kind of yeah, like a, a joining one. That was yeah. the one I was thinking of. Yeah, the Days of Future Past yes. or something like that. I always remember that. Okay, so Apocalypse is all right. Um, didn't like that one as much, but the first two I really enjoyed. So it's like I'm, it's disappointing to see them going through this kind of trials and tribulations on this one because you're kind of hoping for another first class, and it's looking more and more like it's going to be. X3, you know, back again, the, again, you know, back in the 90s or whatever it was. No, that was the 2000s. 2000s, yeah, sorry. Because yeah. the first X-Men movie came out in 2000. Oh, okay. Yeah. But that's how long ago it is with yeah. so many superhero movies. It seems like forever ago. <laughs> Last bit of news, and this got me so excited. For one day, and one day only on November 12th, Batman Mask of the Phantasm is going to yeah, be in theaters. That's going to be pretty, isn't it? <laughs> Once I leave here, I'm going to wait in line. <laughs> That's that's gonna that's gonna be pretty. Especially, I mean, they just did the uh, the remaster yes. and everything for the Blu-ray, so you know it's gonna be a damn fine-looking print. Yep, I can't wait for that. And it's the movie's only like what an hour and twenty minutes, yeah. so yeah, it'll be a nice little, little evening out. Go for it, treat yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Support a great movie. What's the date on that? November twelfth. November. 12th. I think it's a Monday. Yeah. All right. I will be there. I think I'm gonna have to. I might have to make a make a special trip for that. Yes. <laughs> Make an exception. <laughs> so that's the last bit of news I got. Excellent. All right. Well, yeah, that's all I had. Don't have anything else. So we will go ahead and take a short break here and listen to a promo for another podcast. And when we get back, we're going to look at 1989's The Abyss. podcast featuring all your favorite monsters you won't believe your ears when you listen to monster kid radio here your host derek m cook and his ever rotating stable of guests discuss your favorite classic and sometimes not so classic monster movies subscribe to monster kid radio through itunes or stitcher or visit MonsterKidRadio.net before the next weekly episode of Monster Kid Radio. Go through the archives for interviews with Sarah Karloff, Victoria Price, and Joel Hodgson. Listen to discussions about movies like Creature from the Black Lagoon, Island of Terror, and King Kong. And don't forget convention coverage from Monster Bash and the HP Lovecraft Film Festival. Classic Monsters, Modern Talk, and the Head of Rondo Hatton. Only on Monster Kid Radio. All right, Matt, you stare into the abyss. The abyss stares back. This is the first time watch for you. Yep. 
This is the first time I've watched it in quite some time. I actually put it on our list because it was kind of like I, I just was in the mood. I wanted to watch it again. I was just kind of like I need an excuse to watch this, sit down and watch this again. And uh, I have not seen it in quite some time. And then um, I have the uh, the two-disc DVD set that came out in late 90s, I guess, um, which includes the theatrical and the special or director's cut edition. So I believe we both watched the special edition, which is the one I recommended. And I was shocked. I mean, I originally, the first time I saw it, I saw the theatrical. And it was like, mm, yeah, okay. And then I watched the special edition, and then I was blown away. Like, they completely eliminated, like, the whole point of the film right. <laughs> with they the did. edits. Um now, I had always thought it was the studio that asked for the cuts, but things I've been hearing, I've been reading here recently, it was actually Cameron that made the decision to cut the film, in part and largely because apparently the effects weren't done. <laughs> so I guess I can't blame them, but it was an unfortunate cut. Um, there was also a fear that any movie over like two hours long was kind of like um, just you, you, you couldn't do it. Uh, the theaters didn't like it because they couldn't show as many. But then, of course, just a couple years later, Dance with the Wolves shows up with its almost three hour runtime and everything's you know, it's all open after that. Kevin Costner <laughs> doesn't care how long a movie takes to exactly. tell, <laughs> <laughs> even if that is two hours of padding and an hour of story. <laughs> <laughs> so The Abyss, a special edition um, written and directed by James Cameron. Yep. James Cameron doing exactly what James Cameron does. You know, um, if it didn't exist, he makes it. Uh, and he does whatever he has to in order to get it done. So I think this is a film that probably should never have been made. I mean, it's amazing it was completed and no one died. <laughs> is this is it that type of film of the abyss so i am i am really interested to know what you thought of this film initial reaction to the film initial reaction is uh it's one of those movies that you know it kind of always comes up when people like start talking about like sci-fi movies like oh yeah that's one of those underrated ones or that's one of those really good ones had i known that this was james cameron I wouldn't have wanted to watch it. Really? I'm not a big not a fan, fan of his. Okay. I, there are two movies that he's done that I've seen. I've seen quite a few of them that I like. And one is True Lies and the other is Terminator 2. Okay. I don't like the first Terminator. I don't really think it's any good. I couldn't get through Aliens. I just, just going to ask you, didn't like Aliens, really? Couldn't yeah. get through it. Oh. Um, there's several others that I've seen. I'm just sort of like, I just don't see what James Cameron sees. I don't know what he's like. It's it's like when you're looking at like a bunch of pictures, like in an art gallery, it's like, what were they looking at? I don't know what this photographer wanted me to see. <laughs> So that's just how I am. And, you know, he took a really long time to tell a story and, and get a message out there that I, I feel like the movie War Games did in half the time. Fair enough. <laughs> you know, that it's like the exact same concept, far more entertaining in like an hour and a half rather than the near three hours that this was. Yeah, this time around while I was watching it, it, it really struck me how um, Daily Earth stood still this was. Original, of course. 1951. A bit, yeah, mm -hmm. you know, but it, it took so long to get to that point, whereas with The Day the Earth Stood Still, that was the point almost from like 10 minutes in. Right. This just, like, I kept thinking, because, you know, it starts with, you know, there's a U.S. sub that's tracking something. They think it might be like a Russian sub, and then it, it moves in a way that it can't be anything yeah. of this world. Travels at a hundred and something odd knots. Yeah, 130 know, knots. Plus, it's like making these, like, pinpoint turns, and it comes for them, and then they, it doesn't attack them, but they just get caught in its wake, and mm -hmm. that causes them to crash, and then you don't see or hear anything about, like, aliens for, like, another hour. Mm -hmm. Imagine if you're getting to the theater just five minutes late. When the aliens show back up, you'd be like, wait, what is this about? <laughs> because the whole rest of the movie is just, oh, we're going to dive down. We're going to rescue. We're going to see if there's any survivors in this sub. Oh, we don't want, like, to have a nuclear crisis because we're just off the coast of Cuba and the Russians are involved and it's still kind of Cold War feeling and mm -hmm. we don't want to attack each other. And then all of a sudden, some 
alien swims by and you're just thinking like wait what is this movie <laughs> yeah. because they're just thrown in randomly and i kept thinking like i think you could recut this movie take the aliens out and still tell a similar story hmm. that's it just as interesting if not more because i think the whole idea of like tensions with the other countries and somebody kind of going crazy because they're dealing with like the the change in pressure and it's affecting their mind that's an interesting movie and then the aliens just spring up every 45 minutes it was a little weird all right yeah fair enough yeah it is it it is it does feel like there's a times where it forgets that it's supposed to be a science fiction film yeah yeah it felt very real very very grounded real Mm -hmm. tensions things that you can understand kind of at any point in time and then oh right remember the aliens don't forget the aliens it's been like you know an hour here they are again I have a feeling that James Cameron, when is it just as a movie maker, his whole point is to create technology for movies, and it doesn't matter so much what the story is. He just wants that in the movie. He wants it in the movie, exactly. Um, I was I had forgotten, and I, I watched the um, the sort of behind the scenes. There's an hour long on the DVD set. There's an hour long um, making of the Abyss uh, documentary. And I had forgotten that the the aliens and everything, uh, when you actually see the the aliens proper, not the the vessels or whatever, but you, those are puppets. Oh, were they? Those are animated. Yeah, those are those are puppets that are animated underwater. Okay. With with lights and everything, and okay, yeah, impressive. Cool. <laughs> Didn't realize that. Um, the, and of course, this film, um, Industrial Light and Magic, uh, pioneers the. Uh, the computer-generated graphics uh, for the film, with the, uh, the the water tentacle, yeah, and and stuff, which when then go on to be instrumental in Terminator Two. Yeah, so I, I thought that too. I was like, oh, okay, this was his beta test, and exactly. he's going to perfect it exactly for T two. Was um, they needed a special helmets so you could see the actors and for the to be able to communicate with the actors. So they literally went to a a. Uh, company that builds dive suits and they invented the helmets that they're that, that are used and the, and the packs that are used in the film so yeah i think it's just him he just wants to keep pushing you know film technology and it's kind of like and the, you were saying you know you, you're telling this film you got this message in this movie and then he cuts that message out yeah for the theatrical cut right so it literally is it's like he doesn't care what the message is right he just wants to like, wasn't this cool? Isn't this impressive? Yeah. <laughs> right. You know, he, he comes at it as, as like a film student rather than as, as a storyteller. Yeah, a little bit. And yeah, because I, I, I watched the special edition. I didn't watch the theatrical version, but then I went and read what was cut out. And I was like, that's the whole point of the movie. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, I couldn't remember. So I went back and just I pulled up the theatrical and just went to the, the scene uh, to the just to the very end. And like, yeah, sure enough, there's like 10 minutes of incredibly important bit gone Gone. like how could you do that yeah (laughs) and that's why i just don't see eye to eye with james cameron he just wants his movies to look nice he he pretty much doesn't care what you're saying or what you're doing just doesn't it look pretty (laughs) i think he is he is a much more of a style over substance director yeah yeah and so that's that's kind of my overall uh, opinion of the movie um not a bad movie by any stretch of the imagination just sort of it's there mm-hmm. and now i've seen it and now i can say i've seen it hooray <laughs> there is a like i was saying that this film there's no reason this film should have actually been completed the what the, the trouble and everything that they went through and then the issues that they had during filming and the the hell that the actors had to go through ed harris was so been out of shape of after this film it was years before he'd even talk about it again Makes i sense. don't think he talked about it until they released the special edition on laserdisc i think in the early 90s and which is when they filmed this uh, documentary that he actually would sit down and and talk about his experiences because there was one or two times where he almost died i mean he almost yeah, drowned any any time a movie like anytime you pitch to a studio oh yeah we're going to be doing a lot of this in the water under the water why does a studio sign off on that? Anytime there's like a movie done with water, there's always problems. Something gets slowed down. Like even the great one, like Jaws. We talk about Jaws. Freaking shark broke because yeah. it went in the water. And now everyone's <laughs> got to be in the water and we don't have our freaking monster. Something always goes wrong. And it's amazing to me. And I'm surprised he would go back to that with Titanic. Mm-hmm. Half of that movie is filmed in the water. 
all the problems he had on this, why the hell would he do it again? <laughs> <laughs> and this was in uncontrolled circumstances to some extent because they were looking no, – no studio could house what they wanted to do. And so they found a, um, a partially built uh, nuclear power facility. <laughs> That's what they used. And it was abandoned. The project was abandoned. But it left these giant uh, – the what the pit A or studio A, pool A, I guess they called it, was the, uh, the actual um, storage container for the nuclear power. And so like, great. So it was like 7 million gallons of water. Just you know, sitting there. Yeah. Uh, it was just an empty shell, this giant reinforced concrete, and they're like, we can fill that up. <laughs> and so they just practically drained a lake, <laughs> a nearby lake, to, to fill it and another tank uh, that they used on site, too. It was another large you know, basement or would have been a basement of this facility, and they filled it up for a lot of the, the, uh, the smaller scenes. So it was all done, and uh, I think it was in South Carolina and uh, is where they filmed it. And so, you know, you, you, you're you subject to whatever Mother Nature throws at you. Yep. You have to build – they had to build filtration plants on site to filter the water so it would be clear enough and safe enough to, to film in. They had to uh, figure out how to keep it looking dark, you know, so they had like black beads floating on top of the water <laughs> to block out the, the light. And they had a giant tarp over the top of it too, which was, as they described, like, oh, yeah, a tarp's going to come. It's the size of Kentucky. And then, you know, this tarp comes and, yep, size of Kentucky. <laughs> it's just a gigantic tarp. Because that's what you want to know as, as an actor. You're going to be underwater and we're going to put a tarp over you. <laughs> yeah. Well, the tarp was like over the, the ceiling or the roof Okay, line. better. <laughs> yeah. The beads were on the water. And that's exactly why. Even, it was a safety thing because they needed to be able to, if they needed out. to come up, yeah, they needed to be Even that would through. intimidate me. Like there's a layer yeah. between me and life. <laughs> well, and then what's funny, during production, there was a really bad storm. And it ripped the tarp right in half and tore it off. And so we're shooting night from now on. No, so they, <laughs> so it, it starts out, it starts getting into the fall. It starts getting really cold. cold. You know, they have to pull in, uh, they had to pull in uh, hot tubs so they could all, you know, everyone could sit in and do the, you know, and figure out the plans and stuff to keep warm before they got dumped into this water, which they tried to heat, but then one of the facilities actually busted and broke. So they only had half the filtration and half the heat that they had when they started. <laughs> this, this movie got willed onto the screen. Yeah, it really was. And of course, the studio is kind of asking, are you done yet? Why is this taking so long? Why is this, what's all this extra money for the, why the wetsuits? is like, well, the chlorine ate the old ones, you know. Right. Um, they had, uh, they had crew that, you know, most of the guys, the, uh, the stars were in the suits, so they didn't really feel the effect. But the crew were just out, and they yeah. just, you know, and they were getting chlorine burns. Their hair was bleaching. Uh, <laughs> it's just, how did no one just scout note, forget it? I, I think it had to have been a case of we've already put this much into it. Just get it done, right. you know. We, there had to have been, a, the point of no return was probably after the first month. You know? Yeah, that sounds right. Because <laughs> you figure that's when the most of the money got spent. Yeah. Yeah, um, but yeah, there's just certain points uh, about the movie that I did like, and then certain points about the movie that just confused the hell out of me. Do we want to talk about the cast? I was going to say, do you want to talk about the cast a little bit before we get into to some of your your points? Um, Ed Harris uh, heads it. He stars as the film as a uh, Bud Brigman or Virgil Virgil Bud Brigman, um, who does I think a phenomenal job. Ed Harris is one of those actors that I just he doesn't seem to show up a lot. In the, the films I watch, but what he does, I like what he does. He's yeah. he's a very, I think, as I understand, he's very kind of a method actor. He really gets into his roles. He and he, once he sets out to do something, he he wants to be able to do it. That happened a couple of times in this, where there's a couple of times where he's having trouble and he was getting mad at himself for not being able to, you know, get the scene, get the shot, and everything. Um, so he he does put a lot of effort and a lot of work into his roles, and I really uh, I, I appreciate that, and I, I enjoy watching him for it. Um, Mary Elizabeth Mastrantonio. Is that how Master? She's got a heck of a name. She does. She's not an actress I'm familiar with outside of the abyss. I mentioned it a moment ago. She plays in Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves as Maid Marian. Oh, I did see that in, uh, mentioned, but I don't. It's been so long. I saw that movie once and I don't remember. She's also in uh, The Perfect Storm. 
Yeah, I didn't see oh, that okay. one. Yeah, I really like her. She doesn't show up enough. She's one of those people who I always thought was she's very good. She's a great actress. Yes, no, she's, she's very really good. good. She's got a lot of range. She comes off as very powerful. She comes off as kind of like a, a presence and a force. Yeah. And yeah, she makes herself known. Well, I liked it in particularly in this film where she looks unassuming, but she is a force. She is yes. a hard ass. Uh, mm-hmm. And she is very demanding and you know her character i should say is is, is a very demanding person and i like that that yeah. she's the unassuming but she can convey what she's supposed to be even though she looks just like the wallflower right you know i've really appreciated that michael bean who is a james cameron staple you know he's like one of his stable actors he's always you know terminator whatever always uses him when he can he plays lieutenant coffee here who was the uh, military uh the leader of the military group that is used to to go and explore this submarine and of course becomes at least for the first half of the film the antagonist of the story is he though that's one of the problems i had with this movie okay <laughs> because you know the the movie starts where it's 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 her character and she's diving down with the seal team to get with the crew because the whole idea is that that submarine crashes and a hurricane's coming in and the U.S. government can't get their own dive team out there in time before the hurricane hits. And they're worried about, like, the Russian government interfering. So they enlist this private uh, underwater, like, oil rig dive team. It was an experimental uh, underground drilling rig. Yeah. Which was designed by... Uh, Lindsay's character. Lindsay, yeah, Lindsay, right. So she's brought in, since she knows that that equipment, the SEAL team is brought in, and then she's talking about how when you go underwater, when you go that deep, you can experience some kind, like the pressure can mm-hmm. affect your, your brain. It's, right. it's a physical response, and it can make you paranoid. It can give you the shakes. It can affect, like, you know, everything. Like, it show, the changes show up on an EEG I was reading. I can't remember what the name of it is. And that's what happens to him, and it makes mm-hmm. him paranoid, and it makes him think like people are out to get him. And he doesn't trust anybody, and he feels that he has like a real mission to accomplish. Is he a bad guy? He's he's ill. Yeah, he's, he's sick under he, the influence of the right of, of the pressure of sickness. Right. So everyone treats him like he's a villain, and I'm like, no, he's he it, needs help. He right. needs help. Good point. And I don't think that's fair that, you know, I get that they have to stop him. I get mm-hmm. they have to subdue him. But they knew something was wrong and they didn't do anything about it until it was too late. And there is that part where Ed Harris is like, I just want to talk to you. And then he realizes he's got a gun on him, so he has to fight him. Mm-hmm. But then when they're doing their whole, like, underwater submarine bumper car fight, that's that's a villain battle. Yeah. And then he dies like a movie villain. And I'm like, he's not a bad guy. <laughs> They killed him because they screwed up earlier in the movie. And that's not fair to him. All right. Yeah, you always, you find that, yeah. <laughs> you find that angle. It's not right. Yeah, no. no, agreed. No, that's, it's a good point. If they had changed his character that he was just one of those, like, you know, conspiracy theory, you know, we're too close to Cuba and I've got to, you know, I've got to carry out my duty because maybe they're going to, like, it, not make it so that he's sick. Just make him that he's just, he's been on one mission too many right. kind of thing. Yeah, that would have been a better, if, yeah. if, the, if you're going to make him actual the villain. Right. right. Go go that way. Don't make it that he's someone who's, you know, suffering from a physical condition and then you're going to put him down for it. Yeah, you definitely could have maybe saved a little trouble had they, when they first noticed his hand shaking, that maybe if they had approached one of his other men and go, dude, your commanding officer's suffering from this right. sickness. You need to do something. Someone has to take over. Yeah. And they do agree. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But they don't do anything about it. Right, right. Yeah, they, they end up kind of helping save the day once... He got. He goes off the deep end. Um, they all wait too long, line. right? So they're at fault, and then they have to kill him. Yeah. And that's not cool <laughs> to me. <laughs> all right, fair enough. Uh, the rest of the actors are guys that you know. Maybe you've seen in some stuff. I've not. I wasn't familiar with any of them. Uh, none of them really even even looked familiar from anything else no uh except up on the uh the ship that was controlling mm, the rig i saw um, chris elliott chris elliott yeah. he was the only other person that i recognize in the whole movie yeah, and i don't care about him whatsoever don't. i don't find him funny i know anytime he shows up i'm like hey it's chris elliott right. <laughs> playing chris elliott it was apparently he tried out for the part of um what was his name 
Sonny, the uh, the guy with the rat. Oh, okay, the, I uh, could see that. The conspiracy nut, you know, the the tinfoil hat guy, um, and it, the part went to a different actor, and but James Cameron gave Chris Elliott just, oh, you can be a, you know, you can be the sonar operator on the boat. <laughs> I want you away from the rest of the crew. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. I don't. I don't find you funny either. Here, you go on the boat. <laughs> but that part with the rat, that scene bothered me too. And they really did, did that. Five different rats. Oh, yes, the, poor, the poor things. The oxygen, oxygen, ox, oxygen, oh. highly oxygenated water. Thank you. Yes, <laughs> can't say it. Yeah, that liquid does exist. Yes. Uh, the really deep dive, it, it can be. And so, they got some experts from like Duke University, uh, and they got the stuff. And like, yeah, we do it all the time. You're not going to hurt the rat. You know, it's going to freak them out, but it's it's fine. Just make sure you drain it. You know, drain the lungs. That's all good. So they did it to five different rats. They said all the rats came out fine. Yeah, they didn't like it, but physically they were unharmed. Yeah, I was watching that scene, and I was just like, that's a real rat. And I paused the movie, and I'm looking up like, what the hell did they do to this rat? Uh I thought they drowned one. (laughs) Nope. No, but they they did that real thing to it. I was like, okay, well, this is a real thing, and they terrified a rat. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Thank you, James Cameron. You're a terrible human. (laughs) There was a – in the documentary, they – it was on a – they – Carson, Johnny Carson wanted the guy that played uh, Sonny. I'm sticking with Sonny. I'm pretty sure that's his name. The guy that always had the rat. They wanted him to come on the show. They wanted them to bring a rat. The Beanie the Rat died at the end of like several months later after the filming. Of stress. <laughs> of natural causes, they claim. Stress. But, he, <laughs> but yeah, that's exactly what he was getting from everybody. He's like, oh, I'm afraid he died. Oh, oh, he died, huh? Just died, huh? <laughs> we swear to God. <laughs> but yeah, so the rest of the cast is uh, yeah, a lot of uh, different character actors. Good, though. Uh, and one of the things that I appreciate, too, is you know, James Cameron, he, he wrote this as well and then directed it. And all the characters, I kind of believed them. They were like that perfect little group of maybe people that wouldn't choose to be together but are. And so they – but they get along because they don't really have a choice. Yeah. And uh, they – and another thing that I think that was excised out of some of the theatrical version was just some of the moments with them – Showing that they are kind of this connected little family, like uh, when they're singing, like the, the that, Linda Ronstadt song. I yeah. think that was cut out of the theatrical version. I could see that it went on for a bit, mm-hmm. but I I did like that scene. It was just yeah. fun. They're having a good time. You know, it's just that ragtag group. Probably like none of them, like the the one woman. Uh, uh, one night, one night, you figure like she's the country fan. Probably the rest of them don't listen to it, but she's clearly gotten them into it, and she's, now they all know the song. She has a cassette, right? Exactly. <laughs> they've been down there six months, and so exactly. they've all heard it a dozen times, right? That that's exactly how I interpreted that. Of mm-hmm. like, none of them have heard this song. They all love it now because of her. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's that's their song now. Yeah, no, it, they all did a fantastic job. All the, um, and you know, you want to say that you believe them in the situation they're in. But a lot of that is probably because they're in the situation they're in, in many cases, you know, for a lot of the, all of it, they are 70 feet underwater. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're all, they are in the dive suits, you know, they're having these issues. And so that all comes across and it, it just makes for a good believable film as far as the, uh, the cast is concerned. Yeah. Uh, The other, (laughs) how far underwater are they supposed to be thousands of feet as i understand so there's several moments where they're just out in dive suits Mm -hmm. or not even that you wouldn't survive that no that's a good point well they don't make mention like even if they just did some throwaway line of like oh these are experimental suits they'll be able to survive these depths but then there's still the part where ed harris dives out to get out from where they've been locked away to swim to a different hatch. Yeah, I'm not sure how that how it all works because, I mean, they, they do have to uh, come down. They have to equalize to the pressure that they're under. So maybe not thousands, probably definitely hundreds of feet. I know in the end they have to dive like the, the, the trench that they go down is like two and a half miles deep. But I'm obviously they're not that deep but the, the whole time. The physical body couldn't right. survive the water pressure. Yeah, I'm not sure. You could be in a in a in a, you know, in a environment you Mm -hmm. know inside a a, an underwater living area but you couldn't be by yourself 
in that. Yeah, that and he just know. swims through that. Well, like, and, like he's you know, like he's swimming in a pool. And they gloss over the fact that all this water would be above freezing all the time. So when you know the um, just the, above. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And they, that only comes up once because it's important to the plot. But all the other times, they're walking around and uh-huh. you know, knee-deep uh, water and, and everything. It's like everyone would be dead from hypothermia within about a half an hour of right. the of the the tank, the, everything getting flooded. Yeah, those were the parts where I was just sort of like, didn't you just say this water was freezing cold? Mm-hmm. She's reacting to it instantly. He swam through it not 10 minutes ago. <laughs> And didn't care. What the hell is this? Yeah. That's just Cameron's storytelling of like, shut up. It's important now. It wasn't yeah. important then. Exactly. Exactly. Like I said, style over substance. Yeah. You know. But the parts of the movie that I liked was that whole idea of like, you know, the the political tension and, you know, like the part where they're seeing like the, the news broadcasts and everyone's being asked like, well, what if a nuclear war go- breaks out and somebody's like, can really do about I it. can't do anything about it. I try not to think about it. And you've mm-hmm. got the woman holding her kid. I'm like, this is more of the interesting movie. Can we get rid of the aliens? We don't need this. <laughs> this is not important. All of that more grounded stuff was such an interesting movie. And I feel you've got like a good hour and 40 minute movie in there that you can cut mm-hmm. and tell a better story, a more streamlined story. Cause those were the parts that I kept like clinging on to. Well, I think it's funny you say that. And this is after watching the special edition. Can you imagine watching the theatrical where all that's excised? Yeah. The whole we're on the brink of world war three is excised. You would hate this film. Yeah. You would have absolutely hated the theatrical version, mm-hmm. and that's really interesting. I mean, the, like you said, you know, the 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 NTIs is what they call them, the non-terrestrial intelligence. Intelligence are, uh, yeah, almost an afterthought, right? Um, through so much of this, and they don't play a big part. In the end, they do. In the th- special edition, it's like, oh, that's what's happening. Um, but yeah, there, it, it is almost like an, an, an afterthought, and so when you cut so much of the what they're doing and how it's happening and how it all stops and it's like yeah you, you go from a message film to a why did that happen right yeah and i still even kind of had that thought at the end of the movie because the ntis like raise their city up save the underwater rig save ed harris everyone realizes we're okay lynn goes out she and bud have their hug and their kiss and the movie just ends mm-hmm. and it's just like well, aliens just made themselves known to the planet. To the world. And? Yeah. <laughs> like, has anyone learned anything? Like, Ed Harris learned something. Yeah. Lynn kind of learned something. Nobody else yeah. learned a damn thing. Yeah, how much, how much of this lesson that's been taught to the people right there um, is going to get out into the world? Uh, none at all. You wonder. I mean, right. yeah, there, there's a almost... I, you think there's a more interesting story... That comes after this. Yeah. He goes on like some kind of press tour or something and he starts spreading like this NTI message of peace and looking out for each other. And but now roll credits. <laughs> I'll, um, I'll, I think we'll go ahead and, and, and spoil uh, the special edition a little bit here just so you get an idea of what we're talking about is, yes, you know, because of this, this sub has crashed in uh, just off the coast of Cuba. You know, the Russians are involved. Um, there's. You know, tensions are high. They're saying that maybe, you know, U.S. is blaming Russia for destroying one of their subs. Russia is saying, no, you know, it, it wasn't us. And how dare you? And the, so literally the crosshairs are are on. As all this is happening, some thousand, two thousand foot tidal waves come out of nowhere, are screaming towards every shore on the planet. Yeah. Whether it's, you know, the USSR, China, uh United States, East Coast, West Coast, everywhere. There's this giant 2,000 wall, 2,000 foot wall of water heading for the coast. Everyone's scrambling, and suddenly it just stops. And they hold. And they hold for a minute. And what happens is these these NTIs can control water. They can they can, can manipulate it on sort of like a subatomic level or something like that. And they're responsible. They. They could wipe us out, and the reason for doing it is because they they, they were are able to show Bud all these footage, all this footage from you know atomic bomb testing wars. He shows them that you guys are going to do this. 
there, there's no doubt in our head that you could do this. But then they stop the wave and it recedes. And he asks, why would you, why, why'd you stop it? You could have done it. Why did you stop it? And he points out uh, a message that he had typed to Lindsay when he has to go down to stop a... Uh, stop the bomb. Stop a bomb. Yeah, Coffee had set off a, uh, one of the warheads from the, from the submarine and sent it down to where they believe these NTIs were. And so Bud goes down to disable this, this warhead in order to, to potentially save whatever these creatures are. And he sends a message that he knew it was a one-way trip, but he had to go. And he says he tells her that he you know he loves her, and that's why that's why these aliens NTIs whatever you want to call them that's why they they stop everything because they see hope in humanity. So I mean that's a huge message, and they cut it out. <laughs> it was cut out from the film. Yeah, it's it's one of those like I I get that that's the message. And did you need three hours to tell that? Like, did you need all of that stuff with like? You know, we're trying to get there. We're 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 exploring the the sub. We're trying to look for survivor. Like you could, that's the stuff you can cut out. Those are the things that you can mm-hmm. kind of get to real quick. You can just have the guy go crazy, get the nuke, and then want to blow up these aliens that he saw a lot quicker, and then leave in your message. And it's like you said, it's very much that you know, day the Earth sits still kind of thing of like you know, this is a warning. You know, if you just keep the problems to yourselves, that's fine. But you've all gone into space and Mm -hmm. now it's our problem. And, you know, the idea of like, you know, nuclear war can destroy us all that that's something that popped up in war games. So I feel like rather than watch this movie, go watch these other two movies. They're (laughs) a lot better at telling the same story. I think, though, I, I think a lot of my enjoyment of this film does come from the style in which it's made. Okay. The fact that the technology that they had to create, the the level of the level of trouble that they had to go through in order to, to make this, I don't mind those scenes. I don't mind the the searching through the you know the the submarine because I know that they're all there. I mean that's that's really happening. They built effectively a submarine to wander through. Yeah. <laughs> you know? uh, they used real submersibles. Uh, and then they, you know, of course, they mix that, blend it with uh, miniatures. And then uh, on a few occasions, they actually did use like a, a smoke-filled room with miniatures to simulate underwater. And it all marries together that you would be hard-pressed to pick out which one's a miniature, which one's the real size, which one's underwater, which one's in the fog, you know. And on a technical aspect, it's just, I, I love it. I love watching it. I, I don't mind sitting through all of this film just because I understand what's going on and it's just, it impresses me. And it, so in that regard, I kind of like, I, I give it a pass. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I applaud their effort. I think, I think it's cool to kind of like, like you said, just to recreate all of that, just to tell a story. It's impressive. And, but that for me, that's as far as I take it. It's impressive. Good for you. It didn't do anything for me as far as like following a narrative and following any kind of character development. Like that stuff I felt like just went to the wayside, Mm. especially since the theatrical version cut out the whole point. Yes. Yeah. No. So, uh, yeah. So I do, I do see your point. And I was noticing it too when I was watching it this time, how much or lack thereof as far as the story goes, there truly is. It is just people sort of reacting to crap that happens. Over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yes, I do I do appreciate the technical aspects and how precise everything had to be. And so that I think that comes through and it, it creates a fantastic film to watch. Maybe not a fantastic film to really bother paying attention to, yeah. if that makes sense. Yes, and <laughs> and it has one of the least, if not the least, believable scene of resuscitating a person I I've ever was, seen I in my life. Would, definitely knew where that would be a sticking point for you. I started screaming at my TV. I was like, "That is not." how a person is resuscitated she they have this plan because bud and lynn are trapped in the mini sub and they're like 60 yards away from the rig and they only have one dive suit and the plan is okay 
you swim us back. I know I'll drown. Bud, you swim us back. Lynn knows she's going to drown. She's going to go into hypothermia, and that's what, you know, it'll give him time to revive her. Mm -hmm. So that's the plan. He drags her lifeless body back. They do chest compressions. They do mouth-to-mouth. They use a defibrillator. They declare her dead. He doesn't want to give up. He keeps going. More compressions, more mouth-to-mouth, more defibrillating. It still doesn't work. So so he screams at her. He screams at her. He slaps her in the face. He shakes her. Now she's revived. (laughs) I just started going, no, 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 that is not how this works anywhere. You don't scream a person back to life. No, I knew that would be a sticking point. I was so mad. And I kept waiting for like, oh, it was the aliens that brought her back or they did something. Nope. Nuh-uh. Didn't do any of that whatsoever. Go to hell, James Cameron. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, the the resuscitating somebody and using the paddles is – that's just – it's a trope in Hollywood that no one does it right. (laughs) <laughs> but it wasn't there's, there's was, doctor shit there's shows about hospitals that don't do it right right and it that's fine using the pet it's just the fact that they stopped doing that and he just smacked her in the face and yelled at her and that's what brought her back yeah because he was he was done with the actual medical stuff for a good like 35 seconds mm-hmm. now now that's you he yelled at her to live and to fight and oh okay i will like what the hell <laughs> Just that really bugged me. <laughs> I do. I do. It would cut that scene out. <laughs> Let her die. <laughs> and it it bugged her too. There, the great. There's a story about that. You know, they're going at it. James Cameron is a perfectionist, regardless. Of, really? <laughs> well, perfectionist in filmmaking, not a perfectionist in uh, actual medical. What goes on in the world? <laughs> exactly. And they were filming it, and it was you know take after take after take. You know, poor this woman's. You know. It's freezing. She's on a steel-plated floor. She's half-naked. They're pounding on her chest and everything. And the scene's going, you know, this is going over and over. And then finally, they got a take. It's still going well and everything. And the camera that's on her face runs out of film. Mm. And they announce, oh, out of of film. She explodes, apparently. Screams her freaking head off. Yells at James Cameron. You know, what runs off the sets. We're not... Effing animals, <laughs> and leaves her and leaves the set. And I get, I think they had to kind of smooth things over a little bit, let everybody calm down and everything before they could resume. Uh, try to get the shot again and resume filming. But it was a, it was, yeah, <laughs> good for her. I, yeah. been, I would have been one of those people that would have just stopped it. Like we're done, James. Mm-hmm. We're done. You're out of your mind. <laughs> but it does. Um, it does lead to a scene, and also, you know, where Ed Harris, I think, proves himself to be a really phenomenal actor. Is there's a shot? There's shots of him reacting to her coming back, and the camera's like shooting up at his face. So she's not in the room anymore. It's just him looking at a a hole in the floor where they yeah. put the camera, and it's him reacting to this. And it's like, you believe it? Do you believe? That he yelled her back to life. <laughs> you don't okay. You don't have to believe that he, she was yelled back to life, but you believe he's looking at someone yes. com- effectively coming back from the dead. Yeah. So it really brought out a lot in uh, a lot in everybody because like, everything. I think everyone was just on their last on their last thread. That's that's what it was. Game. They weren't reacting to a, a character coming back to life. They were just you know. They oh, were they told, got the shots. <laughs> yes, <over>. exactly. <laughs> All right, everyone, we got it. Oh yay! Hug, group hug. We're done. Lunch. <laughs> yes. That 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 may be true. That's what it was. They were just hysterical. <laughs> yeah. Definitely a film style over substance. Um, I still really enjoy watching it. I liked watching it. I admit I had to sit down and watch it over. Uh, I had to do fits and starts uh, just because it is even the, the special edition is what two and a half hours I think two hours fifty one minutes fifty one there you I go. did it in a single sitting did you okay. that was stupid <laughs> yeah I did it where I just kind of knocked out an hour one night knocked out another hour the next night was able to get like you know 45 minutes and then wrapped up the last half hour or something the next morning yeah i watched it all yesterday i had to <laughs> that was dumb <laughs> yeah. i knew how long it was i just didn't know how long it would feel because mm. it feels every minute that I, it is yeah i could see sitting through it a, a all in one go that it would it definitely feel like three hours there are three hour movies and i'm just sort of like oh it's over already like the dark night is like two and a half hours and you're just sort of like it's over mm. really 
we're done. <laughs> cool. Yeah. I mean, there are moments in the film where I was like, oh, I wish that lasted longer and everything. Uh, you're talking about the, you know, they have a effectively a, a chase scene between two uh, submarines. <laughs> and I thought that, you know, that was, a, I, I found it a pretty damn exciting uh, scene. Uh, I thought, like, you know, this is almost like bullet level here. I, I liked it. Oh, I wouldn't say it. Level. <laughs> it was bumper cars underwater. <laughs> uh, I loved it. I thought it was. I thought it was kind of. It was tense. as kind of edge on your seat. It yeah. was tense. It was just silly because it's just sort of like boop boop. It's like watching blimps t- chase uh, each other. They, <laughs> I thought they did a good job ramping up the tension and everything in that. I thought it was good. And I think a lot of the scenes that required the tension. I think they did a fantastic job and <clears throat> conveying that and and making you feel it and you know the. Um, there's the great scene where you know the the crane is ripped off the ship and that it's was com- good and it's yeah. coming down to him and the 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 hose and the wires the cable the, the yeah. cable is dumping and piling they, they, they all you hear is just the sonar beeping and getting closer 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 to it suddenly it's just a solid noise and like and then it lands in front of them and they're like oh and then, then the crane slides. starts sliding and off. They're still tethered. two and a half mile. Yeah, uh, that was brilliant. I mean, that was a really great tense moment. Yeah, I, I I did like that part because when when they're watching it slide, it's hitting me as it's hitting them. What's about to happen? Yeah, I was no, like, no, no, oh no, no, no. no. <laughs> there's no quick release button or anything. No, no. Where's an explosive bolt when you need it? You right. Know? Excellent. Well, I appreciate you sitting down and. Uh, Taking three hours out of your day. <laughs> out of my life. <laughs> well, now you never have to watch it again. I won't. <laughs> I may do. <laughs> but uh, I guess that's going to do it. Oh, you know, I did throw this out on uh, Facebook, so we should mention a few other uh, comments. I threw it out on my personal page and on the Time Shifters group, so I have to kind of go to both here. I'll go to my personal one first. Right on my personal page, Chris Buckaroo Banzai page says that this film is a hundred percent. You understand who all the characters are and what they're about, even the ones that are minimal supporting. The effects hold up to this day, and the special edition is definitely the way to go. Pete Quint comments that the tidal wave at the end was one of the best effects he had seen to that point. He says, I haven't seen it since I saw it in the theater. I hope it holds up. Well, you didn't see the wave in the theater there, Mr. Quint. <laughs> uh, Barry Wurst, friend of mine, he's a uh, film critic uh, over in Hawaii, writes for the Maui Times, says that it's his favorite James Cameron film, and he, he links to his review. So um, maybe I should, uh, I should probably copy and paste that link in over in the Time Shifters group, or I should have already. But that's all I had on the personal page. On the uh, group page, Scott Sachs said, uh, thought it was really good up until the end, and then it went terribly wrong. I wasn't a fan of that. Not sure how I would have ended the movie, but I know it would hadn't, it would hadn't, haven't been like that. Felt too corny. I wonder if he's talking about the theatrical or the special edition. Uh, Billy Flynn did ask if he was, if he saw the theatrical or the director. Oh, okay. And he does say neither is a perfect ending, but the theatrical is really disappointing. And Scott did replied that he's pretty sure it's a theatrical because he saw it on HBO. So Billy, uh, Billy and I both suggested that it would be worthwhile to him to see the director's cut. I think that was all we got. Yep. So yeah, absolutely good for the special edition. It, it may not be a perfect film, but uh, it's definitely a less of a you know waste of time <laughs> if you're going to do three. If you're going to waste two to three hours of your time, go for the special edition. I did get a letter from Floyd, but it was really just him commenting that he really enjoyed the Comic Expo episode. And he really needs to get down there to meet his uh, friend Paul, who owns the comic book world. And he, he asked, uh, so, did you guys like talking to Summer Glau? Yeah, I guess Tom and I did kind of gush a little bit about, you know, <laughs> we, we talked for just for a few minutes. And, uh, you know, we, we did probably gush a little bit. I can't help it. She's just one of my favorite people to talk to and you know, happen to see in television and film, so. Yeah, I guess that's going to do it. Uh, did we talk about what we we're going to do next week? You mentioned there was a film that we both, that I dug up a while ago uh, that I hadn't watched in a long time, so I wanted to watch again. It was a film that you're very familiar with. Yeah. You and your sister apparently used to watch it a lot. My brother and I. My brother and I, okay. Uh, it was one of those movies that, like, you know, when, when, like, I think it was HBO was still kind of, like, hadn't done any original content and hadn't really built themselves up. They just sort of, you know, bought movies at the cheap and looped them all day. So I watched it every time it was on. So when they were letting the Beastmaster print cool off from yes. the repeated running? <laughs> so it was uh, the Tom Selleck movie Runaway. Yeah. So that's just one 
one of those movies that I, I still really like that movie. So, yes, we're going to watch that. We're going to talk about that. I haven't seen it in a while, but I remember a lot of it. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I really just watched it month ago, month and a half ago, I think. It, it turned out on Amazon Prime. And I'm like, really? Huh. <laughs> I haven't watched that in a while. And uh, so I did uh, tune into it. And um, I think you'll be I think you'll be pleased. I think you'll like it better than the abyss. <laughs> oh, I know I will because I I still remember quite a bit of it. There's whole scenes that I remember, and yeah, definitely gonna enjoy it. <laughs> and you got Tom Selleck and Gene Simmons. I mean, you can't know, go wrong. What more do you need? <laughs> <laughs> so that'll be uh, our film next time when we come back. So until then, thanks everyone for listening. Any feedback or anything? Timeshifterspodcast at gmail dot com. Uh, come and tweet at us at timeshifterspod at movies at the mat or join the Facebook group and leave any comments there on this or any episode you happen to listen to. Uh, we'll be glad to uh, bring up any old topics if you, if you got something to to say about it. So yeah, that's going to do it. Thanks for listening, Matt. Thanks again. Yep. Sorry, I didn't uh, you know? Wasn't bad. Just was there. All right. Fair enough. Thanks, everyone. We'll catch you next time. 